I'm talking about for the next few Sundays this topic of becoming your true self. Some of us that grew up in churches, this is such a foreign topic. We're like, huh? What? And again, it's something that I've recently been on a journey of, becoming your true self. And specifically today, today, I want to talk to you about the difference between our true self and our false self and what it means to begin this journey of living into our true selves. By the way, I'm thankful for like three, four of you that'll sit there. You're like, I love this. This is so resonating with me. I want to begin here. Psalm 25.1. I'll say this together. To you, O Lord. Say this together. Ready? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. One more time. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. One more time. Ready? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. We're going to be doing that at the end. All of us. Your true self. What is your true self? Your true self is the, it's the true you. It's the real you. Your true self, my true self, it's us in our truest, most fundamental identity. Our true self is what the psalmist said when he said, you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's your unique blueprint. There is literally nobody on earth like you, and nobody has been created with design and purpose by God to live the life you are called to live. The problem is many of us, and I'll talk about this in upcoming weeks, are not living the life that God has for us. We're living someone else's life. The problem is that many of us don't live the life and the script that God has for us. Problem is we try and live someone else's life. There's an old Hasidic tale so succinctly described by a rabbi named Susa. He said, and I'm going to put the quote up there, at the end of time, they will not ask me, why were you not Moses? They will ask me, why were you not Susa? At the end of time, they're not going to ask, why did you not live the life that I gave Moses? The question they're going to ask me is, God is going to ask me, is, why did you not live the life that I had for you in your unique design? Your true self. Now, in case you're sitting there going, is this even biblical? Yes. Let me go through some scripture passages in case you're a little nervous. Some of us grew up in churches, okay? Colossians 3.3, for you died to this life and your real life, what's he talking about, is hidden in Christ in God. Your real life that is hidden in Christ in God. By the way, next week, next week I'm bringing back Tupperware, so you need to come back for that. In case you're wondering what that is, you'll... Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your true self, the real you that is hidden in Christ in God. That is the real you, beloved, secure. Another passage, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new has begun. There are scripture passages all over the New Testament that says the true you, the new you, the real you. Now here's the thing, the true you the true self is calm, it's content, it's wise, and it's unafraid. The true you, this hidden in Christ you, is calm, oh, it's content. You don't act a fool, you're wise. And you have no fear. 
to chew you, to reel you, is calm, content, wise, unafraid. And you and I, listen carefully, don't manufacture this. We don't create this. It's there. And the goal of life, the goal of life, the goal of spiritual formation, which I'll talk about, the whole point of all of this is for you, listen, to be formed, to be fully formed into the true you. Are you with me so far? Okay, now, check this out. The scripture in the New Testament constantly talks about that enough. In order for you to be fully formed into you, you got to shed your false you. you got to shed the false self. Ephesians chapter 4, 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its sinful desires, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your false self, your false self, your shadow self, your... Lord of the Rings fans, you ready? I'm going to make my, your golem self. Yes. Your golem self. That self, listen, that is so easily irritated. Oh, that's so easily offended. That constantly needs to be at the center of attention. That self false you that is trying to live to please other people. False you that finds its identity in what I do, what I have, and what people think of me. That false you. Here's a false self. You're agitated. You're grasping. More. Mine. You're foolish. And your false self is deeply afraid. Your false self. The old you. The you that Paul says you died to. Agitated, grasping, foolish, afraid. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you guys are very familiar with this false self? Oh my gosh. You and I are so familiar with this. We know this. But here's the thing, and I know this is going to be like, I don't get it. I know, I know. That's not who you are. That is not who you are. Do you get that child of God? That is not, that is, that doesn't arise, proceed from who you truly are. Satan has caused you, the world has caused you, your family of origin, other people have caused you to think that that is not who you are. It's not who you are. It doesn't proceed from who you, to which you go, well then why am I like that? Well we'll get to that in the next question mark, however long. But here's the thing. If you are sitting here and going, I am more familiar with the false self than the true self, welcome to the party. Me too. We're so far from what it is that God has called us to be and do. And the real task of spiritual formation is so that you and I could be fully formed into our true selves. Soren Kierkegaard said, with God's help, I shall become myself. With God's help, I should become myself, your true self, your true self, uh, Richard Rohr. I'm going to be like plugging books all the services, okay? Immortal Diamond, Richard Rohr said, your life, your true self is like a diamond. It's like a precious jewel buried under layers and layers and layers of junk. But your true self, listen, it's there. It's hidden. And the whole goal of spiritual formation is for the true self to emerge as you let go of the layers and layers and layers of false self. Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully formed. Christ is fully formed in your lives. Everybody listen. 
The whole goal of spiritual formation, the whole goal of spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, all that stuff, it's not more information. It's not more knowledge. How many of us know that with information and knowledge doesn't automatically result in Christ-likeness? Can I get an amen? You and I both know this innately. The whole goal of spiritual formation is for our soul to be formed into Christ-likeness. That means for some of us, the journey... It's not learning new things, it's actually unlearning things. For some of us, our journey is gonna be unlearning things, unlearning. Someone said that the whole goal of education, it's unlearning things that we've learned and we've been taught by the world, by our families, by our parents, by the evil one. For us to emerge into who we truly are. Are. That's why the primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what you think God ought to do. The primary purpose of prayer is not to control God. It's not to change God. It's not to lobby God on your behalf. Do you know why some of us in our prayer lives, we never change? Do you know why prayer doesn't do a thing for us? Because you're praying out of an agitated, grasping, foolish, afraid self. Let me say that again. As long as you are praying out of our agitated, grasping, I need you to do this, God, foolish. And I'm so afraid I'm making decisions out of fear every day. As long as you and I pray out of that false self, the false self never gets such. Spiritual formation is to form you and me into the likeness of Christ. For our souls to be formed in the likeness of Christ. And by the way, that, that is what I mean when I say your soul. What is our soul? Real quick, give me two minutes on this. The real you. What is our soul? That's what I'm talking about when I say the true you. It's misleading to think that the soul is a part of you. We've been trained to think that way, especially in America. Our soul and our bodies. Soul is not a part of you. You've been trained, I think, that way. But the soul is essence of you. Soul is who you are. When David says, I lift up my soul, here's what he's saying. I lift up my nephesh. That's the Hebrew word. What is nephesh? Nephesh. Hebrew, you guys know. We don't, Hebrew doesn't have as many words and vocabulary. English. So what they had to do was they had to use few words and compound it with lots of things. You know that, right? So they had multiple meanings. So the word nephesh, soul, also means neck in Hebrew. Why? Neck. It's the breathing part of you. Your soul is life itself. Your soul also connects your head, thinking, cerebral part, to the rest of your body. Soul is all of you. Your conscience, your thoughts, your emotions, your will, your personality, your soul. When David says, I lift up my soul, he's not saying I lift up some part of me. He's saying, I lift up what? All that I am to you. All that I am to you. The whole person, the whole me, soul, you, to you. And by the way, do you remember how God formed the human soul? I love that. God takes the dust of the earth. Hebrew is Adama, and he creates Adam, man, Adam. And he breathes whoo, into his nostrils, his spirit, and the soul is formed. The human soul is the synthesis between heaven and earth. The soul is where heaven, divine, and earth meet. I don't know why, but that just blows me away. 
Your soul is where heaven and earth meet. Your soul. And the human soul, this is critical for today, is capable of something. You know what it is? It's capable of bearing an image. It's capable of reflecting something. Unlike anything else in creation, your soul is capable of bearing what? Uh, God told us in Genesis 1. God said, let us make mankind in our what? Say it with me. Image in our, say what? Likeness. Verse 27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. The image that the human soul is capable of bearing, reflecting, is none other than what? The imago Dei, or the image of God. Listen, our soul has the capacity to do something that nothing else in all of creation does. Not the stars, not the ocean, not the mountains. And that is to reflect the glory of what? God. Our souls properly formed reflect God. Listen, 30 seconds. For those of us that are going, we reflect God by action. We reflect God by serving. We reflect God by, yes, those are all important. But the most important way that we reflect God is for your soul to be properly formed. Here's the thing. Let me say one other thing. If your soul is not properly formed, then all the stuff that we do out there arises out of your false, uh, arises out of your false self and it becomes toxic and destructive very quickly. I wonder how many of us and what we do out there is out of a soul. By the way, my wife said, are you going to scream tomorrow? I said, why do you ask? She said, because whenever you're preaching to yourself, you scream. And I said, I will be preaching to myself, but I will not be screaming because this sermon is inconsistent with someone shouting. I wonder how many things I've done out of a selfish, self-centered, agitated, foolish self in the name of God. How many of us are living out of our false selves and doing things for Jesus when all it is is a desire for our false selves to be, oh boy. You guys. Y'all tracking with me this morning? Let me ask you this. How many of you believe that God is calm and not agitated? Yes, you're supposed to say. How many of you believe that God is content and he's not grasping? How many believe that God is wise and that he is not foolish? How many of you believe that God is not afraid? Yeah, that is who God is, you see. And our souls are called to reflect the image, imago Dei, of God. Here's the thing, though, and I'll talk more about this next week. Most of our souls are not calm. Most of our souls are not content. Most of our souls are not wise, and most of our souls definitely are not unafraid. Why? The simple answer is sin. We'll talk more about this next week. Sin, and listen to this, has marred and distorted our soul, but hasn't erased it, which means it can be recovered, which means it can be recovered. And I'll talk more about this next week. I think that systemic sin in our country and culture actually has done just as much damage, if not more, to our soul, fault, true self, than actually personal sin. I'm not exonerating people of personal sin. Personal choices that we make, and I'll talk about this, absolutely distort and mar our soul, our true self. But I think systemic sin in our country has done just as much harm. When I say systemic sin, I'm talking about politics of power, economics of greed, and religion of shame and guilt. I think, and church has been very slow to talk about systemic sin that has distorted and marred the human soul. Our soul has been marred and distorted by sin. And I'll talk more about this next week. 
But the beauty is that our true self can be rediscovered. It can be recovered. How? That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning on. We have to lift up our soul to God. How do we recover our soul? We have to lift up our soul to God. I'm going to say something. If this resonates with you, say amen. Only in Jesus Christ will we be able to live out of our true self. Only in Jesus Christ will you and I be able to live. Only when you have God at the center will you be true to who you are. Only when you have God at the center will you be true to who you are and live out of your true self. Friend, that means if you don't know Jesus, you will search forever. If you do not know Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, if your life is not centered on God, you may not know who you are. John Calvin, I think, said this, there is no deep knowledge of self without deep knowledge of God. And there is no deep knowledge of God without deep knowledge of self. It all begins here. It begins with our lives being centered on God. Do you want to be true to yourself? You have to be centered on God. You have to be centered on Jesus. How do you do that? You lift up our soul to God. Now, before we talk about how to do that, let me give you an illustration image from Paul on what it looks like to lift up our soul to God. It's a beautiful metaphor that he uses, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we are with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror, hold on to that, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord. Everybody look up here. A mirror, a mirror has a quality in such a way that whatever it faces, it fills with. This is my notebook. It's not a mirror. It's not reflective. It's nature's not such that if I look at it, it's still black. There's nothing there. You look at it, it's still a black notebook. There's nothing there. If I hold up a mirror, what is a mirror filled with? Our souls have a nature that God says, listen to this, whatever it turns towards, it fills with. Our souls have a nature that whatever we lift it to, what? It what? Come on, come on. It fills with. You lift up your soul to money, you're going to be filled with what? Money. You lift up your soul to sex, your sex, soul is going to be filled with what? Sex. You lift up your soul to anything, and our soul is such that its nature, it fills with. Whatever you turn towards, it fills with. You know what a Christian is? A Christian is someone who has turned their soul, lifted their soul to God in such a way that his soul is filled with the glory of God. What are you turning towards? What are you and I lifting up our soul to? A Christian goes to work, but you don't lift up your soul to work. You don't turn towards work. A Christian falls in love, but a Christian doesn't turn towards falling in love. It doesn't lift up its soul to falling in love. A Christian is someone who has turned their soul to God. And as a result, Paul says, from glory to glory, it's renewed and being transformed to the likeness of God. Just a beautiful picture I want to hold on to, a mirror. Our souls are like mirrors. Whatever turns towards, whatever it lifts up its soul to, it's going to fill with. Is it a job? Is it sex? Is it a relationship? Is it a career? Is it ministry? Whatever you and I, listen, in lifting up our soul to, whatever we turn towards, it fills with. What are you filled with? What are you filled with? What are you filled with? What am I filled with? Paul says, I lift up my soul to what? To God. I lift up my soul to God. And this, by the way, is what the Psalms are designed to do. 
The Psalms are meditations that, listen, bend the soul. Anybody love the Psalms? Anybody love the Psalms? I love the Psalms. The Psalms are meant to bend the soul. Another book plug real quick. The Psalms of Jesus by Tim Keller. Goes through all the Psalms per day. Okay? All the Psalms per day, 365. It's a phenomenal resource to reflect on the Psalms. Psalms bend the soul. And I want to show you today how to pray the Psalms. And I am a, just a novice. I'm just beginning to do this. So please hear me. I'm not teaching you out of an expert. I'm not teaching you because I've done this and I do it uh, phenomenally. This is something I'm trying to do. I want to teach you this morning, rest of our time, how to pray the Psalms. But I got to say this, it's hard to teach Americans how to pray. Because the real formative prayer, real formative prayer is without immediate, immediate feedback. And it's without sense of achievement. Real formative prayer is without immediate feedback. Real formative prayer is without sense of achievement. You and I hate doing things that don't have a sense of achievement and don't have immediate feedback. Real formative prayer that will shape your soul will not feel like you're accomplishing much. It will not feel like you're doing anything. It may take months before prayer and formative prayer begins to shape us. Because get this, this is not, God, I need this, I need this. This is real formative share that is shaped and formed by God as we pray the Psalms. How many of you guys would like to be a different person a year from now? Me too. So let's begin now. This isn't going to happen next week. Hear me. Some of you walk away going, I did it for a week, it doesn't work. Oh. Oh, real formative prayer. Church, real formative prayer. Listen, we'll feel like, God, nothing is getting done. We'll feel like, God, where is the immediate feedback? But real formative prayer is shaping you and forming you into the image of Jesus. And the Psalms do that. Listen. I just turned 48 in March. It's embarrassing for me to tell you how many years of my life, how many years of my life as a Christian I lived out of my false self. I can't tell you how many years of my Christian life, ask my wife, she knows, she's been 20 years. How many years, of, listen to me, how many years of my life where somebody could say, here's Peter, he's grasping, he's never content. He makes foolish decisions and he is afraid. The tragedy is that some of us may go to our graves living out of our false self and never come to know our true self. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? This is not, I'm going to pray this and next week. I'm, whoo, content. Why? This is not next month. This is people that have been doing it for a decade who will say, and this is what happens. I just, I haven't, so I'm just telling you what they say. 
People who've done this for like decades, here's what they'll say. They'll say, here's what will happen. You'll find yourself at work. You'll find yourself at work. And the same person in the same situation that causes you to go, ah, agitated, grasping, foolish, I'm afraid. That same incident as you've prayed this over the years, all of a sudden, and I can't explain the other way, the Holy Spirit activates your true self. The Holy Spirit activates the true you that he's been working on. Paul calls it walking according to the Spirit. And all of a sudden, what is born is the fruit of the Spirit. And you find yourself in the same situation going, ah! I'm calm. Ah! I'm content. I'm going to do the wise thing. And I'm not going to be afraid. Again, these same people say, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still working at it. Just like these same people say, the Holy Spirit activates the truth. And, and, and all of a sudden, you find yourself going, I'm going to be through the Spirit. Kind, gentle, self-controlled, loving. How do we do this, Peter? I want to spend the rest of the time talking about that. Okay, real quick. And then we're going to do an exercise. You ready? Here's what I do. Two, three times a day. Daily office. Sometimes it takes two minutes, three minutes. Sometimes I'm outside. Sometimes I'm in a coffee shop. Sometimes I'm in my living room. Here's what I do. I say to myself, I'm calm. And I'll give you scripture, by the way, to back this up. I'm content. I'm wise. And I'm not afraid. I'm calm. I'm content. I'm wise. And I'm not afraid. By the way, you're going, who did that? Read the book of Psalms. You know what this is called? It's called preaching the gospel to yourself. Can I get an amen? How many times does the soul go, what? Why so downcast on my soul? What's he doing? He is what? Preaching to himself. Lift up your soul. What is he doing? He is preaching to So what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you how to. <laughs> this is so unlike Peter because I don't tell you practical things on Sundays. But I'm going to give you a practical thing. I'm calm, I'm content, I'm wise, I'm unafraid. First, do this with me. Ready? Here we go. I'm calm. Say it with me. Ready? I'm calm. One more time. Ready? I'm, I know this feels goofy for some of you. I know, I know. You're going, where the heck am I? Just bear with me. Wait. So ready? Say it with me. Ready? I'm calm. Here's the scripture. Psalm 131.2. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. This is the Psalm of David. What a beautiful metaphor. Moms, moms, you immediately connect with this. David is picturing himself as a two-year-old, that two-year-old that has been fed and is in the arms of its mother. And that baby is what? He's calm. He's content. He's not crying. He's not agitated. And David is saying, that is like my soul in the arms of God. My soul is calm. It's not agitated. It's at rest. It's not afraid. It's secure. It's secure. Do you know that that's you? I know this is where it gets like, what? Do you know that that's the true you? The true you is like the baby in the arms of God that is content, that is not agitated, is not afraid, totally secure, and at peace. 
David says, my soul is calmed and quiet like a child being held. Real quick, 30 seconds on this. I love the fact that David, along with other biblical writers, give the metaphor of God as what? Mother. There are lots more images of God, metaphors of God as father. But for some of us, we struggle because when we think of our fathers, we have a certain image of someone maybe who was abusive, hurtful, so on and so forth. We all know that God is spirit. He is not with gender. Can I get an amen? Don't get all freaky weird on me, but God is without gender. So for some of us, if we struggle with thinking of God as heavenly father until God redeems that, it's perfectly okay to think of God as a maternal figure, a mother who in nurturing, in caring, watching over us. I am what? Say it with me. I am calm. Say it one more time. Ready? I'm calm. Secondly, I am content. Psalm 23 Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, what? And if I shall not want, I am what? I'm why I am calm, I'm content. And this, by the way, real quick, is where I think systemic sin has malformed us in ways that we minimize. Do you realize, I'll talk more about this next week, billions of dollars a year is spent so that you and I would walk around and walk into a store and go, oh, I didn't know I needed that until I saw it. Now I saw it, now I need it. Billions of dollars are spent to create need. Do you know what would happen? Do you know what would happen if every single American in this country became content? Our whole economy would collapse. But can I just say this? This isn't just about financially. You know what this is about? This is about you and I being content and living fully in the moment, in the present, without feeling like we have to control it or manage it. The grasping self, the part of us that says, ah, that grasping self comes from what? Comes from this thing that we believe, which is out of our false self, that says, I can't be content right now where I'm at. I have to change it. I have to manipulate it. I have to do something about it. And no, I'm not talking about some defeated attitude that says, I'm just going to live with the way things are. I'm talking about this lie that you and I think that says, I can never be content until the world is exactly as I want it. The problem is that the world will rarely cooperate with you. And so we spend all of our days and lives, you know who I'm talking about right now. You are grasping because in that situation right now, Instead of trusting, which I'll talk about, you feel this need to control him, to control her, to manipulate those circumstances. Instead of saying, I choose what? To trust. You know what you and I do when we find ourselves in a situation we can't control? We either fight or we flight. We either fight it. How many fighters in here this morning? Yes. 
And there's some liars this morning too, many of us, okay? We either fight or we flee. Jesus chooses the way of trust. And no place is this more seen than what we saw last week in the Passion Week. Jesus is falsely accused. He's out of control. He stands before Caiaphas. He's completely out of control. He stands before Pilate. He's completely out of control. He is being nailed to the cross. He is completely out of control. What is his response? Father, into your hands I commit Peter, 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 garden. I'm angry. I'm going to take out my sword and we'll fight. Two hours later, do you know him? Don't you know him? Fear. I don't know who he is. Fight or flight. Or you could what? Say it with me. Trust. Trust. Do you know what? The word passion literally means just an old word for what? Suffering. Suffering is when things seem out of control and you could either fight or you could flee or you could choose the route of Jesus, which is what? Trust. I am calm. I am content. Third, I am. I'm wise. Where's that from? Psalm 131.2. I've calmed. I did that already. Psalm 51.6. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. By the way, can I just read that one more time? Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. Do you know what that is? God says, I honor rigorous honesty. I honor rigorous honesty. And you teach me wisdom and the secret heart. That's to chew you, your soul. And as we learn to lift up our soul to God in prayer, God says, I deposit wisdom, not knowledge, not information. <laughs> wisdom. Knowledge information is good. But God says, I deposit wisdom. I'm going to take a wild guess and say something, okay? Because wisdom is more about patience and peace than it is about information and knowledge. I want to take a while, I guess, that many of us, if not most of us, our foolish decisions were made when we were impatient. When we didn't want to wait. That email that we regret. That text, that phone call, that relationship we jumped into. How many of our foolish decisions. Some of you sitting here right now. Some of you sitting right now. Listen, let's just, this, this is free. This is free. It's not going to charge you anything. It costs you anything. You go, Peter, I have this massive decision. Can you give me counsel? Here's the counsel for you. Make the patient decision. Your false self, it's impatient. It doesn't want to wait. It doesn't want to wait. Schmeagle wants it now. I don't want to wait. Schmeagle wants it now. Who wants to wait? Schmeagle. Sorry. I'm, 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 oh my gosh. 
I thought about our, I'm almost done by the way because I want us to pray. I thought about our world history and it could be described as a series of one war or battle after another. Look at human history. And I think much of what's behind wars and battles is impatience. Bring that home to you and me. How many of the warring that's in our lives is because of impatience? How many of our relationships are now falling apart because of impatience? How many of the decisions, poor decisions, that you and I are about to make is because we don't want to wake the person that is unwilling to be patient does not trust God. The person that is unwilling to be patient thinks that the only players that are involved are actual people and God is nowhere to be found. So the person that is impatient says, if I don't do it, then who? If not now, then when? When a person trusts God, he says, God created time. He has plenty of it. If it runs out, he'll make some more. I am wise, says, I will wait. I will be patient. Lastly, and the mother of them all, I am what? Unafraid. Psalms 27.3, there was an army encamp against me. My heart will not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. And reminded me that the first words that come out of a human being is what? Do you remember? Do you remember? What are the first words recorded in scripture that comes out of the mouth of a human being? You find it in Genesis 3. I heard you were walking in the garden. This is Adam speaking to God. So I hid. I will say it with me. Afraid. I was afraid because I was naked. Everybody, can you look up here? I'm going to be done in two minutes and we're going to pray. A long with wisdom. This to me is the primary character attribute of us living out of our false self and that is we live out of fear. Fear of missing out. Fear of not getting that. Fear of disappointing him. Who's him? Who's him? Who's him? Who's her? Disappointing who? Fear of not being accepted by them. Fear of the unknown. Fear at our core. What keeps us living out of all self is that we live out of fear. Look at our culture. Look at our country. Look at our country. Look at our country. Look at our country and see what a culture of fear has done. Look at our country and see what fear has done in our inability to love, in our ability to empathize, in our ability to care for people who are not like us. But think about your life personally. What decisions are you about to make out of fear? How are you today living out of fear? And the last truth that crowns us is over and over again from Genesis Revelation, 365 times I checked, God says this, don't be what? Afraid. Don't be afraid. 
Oh, very afraid. Don't be afraid. I am calm. My soul is calmed and quieted like a child weaned in the arms of its mother. I am content. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I am wise. God deposits wisdom in my secret heart. And I am not afraid. Though an army encamp against me, I will still be confident. I am calm. I am content. I am wise. I am unafraid. I am calm. I am content. I am wise. And I will not fear. CC, come on up. Everybody, put your stuff away. I'm just going to lead you in a short prayer time that you could replicate stuff coming. Put, so put, 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 you know, Bibles, whatever you're holding. Because I need you to sit comfortably, okay? I need you to sit comfortably with your hands. With your hands, okay? And I don't know if we're going to have a responsive song after this. Well, we'll see how long this goes. But what I need you to do is I need you, everybody, except Carlton and me up here. I, I need everybody. I actually, see you and me, you and me too. Every, clear everything, clear everything, clear everything. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to lead you in this prayer time. And just, just repeat, repeat after me. Repeat after me, okay? First portion. And then I'm going to say and pray and meditate on the Psalms that undergirds that truth. But what I need you to do is whether you use imagery in your mind or just make it a prayer. Remember, this is you. You're preaching to who you really are. This isn't something you manufacture, create. This is who you really are. And you're just reminding, preaching yourself as David does throughout the Psalms. And you could repeat this in your home, in your office, at your work, coffee shop, walking, driving. First, I am calm. Say this with me. Ready? I am calm. One more time. I am calm. One more time. I am calm. Take a deep breath. Next. I am content. Here we go. Ready? I am content. time. I am content. One more time. I am content. And this next one, oh, I've been praying for you all week for this next one. I am wise. Here we go. I am wise. More time. I am wise. One last time. I am wise.
next one just as important, if not more. I am unafraid. Here we go. Ready? I am unafraid. One more time. I am unafraid. One more time. I am unafraid. With your eyes closed, what you just did sometimes takes no more than two, three minutes. And as you say it, I would encourage you, of course, to memorize and meditate on these scriptures that undergird these powerful truths that are found throughout the Psalms. Literally took two, three minutes. You can do throughout the day, once, twice, three times. No, this will not change you in a day. This will not change you in a week. You may not see results matter for for a few weeks or months. But eventually what you'll see is that your false self will begin to disappear evaporate move into the background and your true self who you are in Christ begin to emerge I am calm I am content I am wise For the last time, church, let's say this together. All of them all at once. Here we go. Ready? I am calm. I am content. I am wise. And I am unafraid. Everybody, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I'm going to CC and maybe couple other people over by the cross near the chairs and we're going to try and do this more church on Sunday mornings it's our prayer team by the way we have one if you want to serve talk to me so what I want to do what I want to do is I, I, I want to end this service in, in a second this way and then I want to invite you if you need prayer to come on up and to pray with our brothers and sisters I want to invite you to pray with your friends if you need to head out you can head out but, but I want to invite you I want to invite you. I think this is a perfect way to end the service like this. I am I am calm. It's who I am. It's who I am, hidden with Christ in God. I am content. That is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I am wise. And I am unafraid. Spirit of God, right now, there is a battle in the minds of some of my brothers and sisters. The enemy is so angry and fiercely at work right now and saying, that's a bunch of nonsense. That's not who you are. You are not that. I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that you would dispel that lie from the pit of hell. In the name of Jesus right now, 
that child, that soul that is wanting to believe that lie that says, all that Peter talks about, that's someone else. That's not you. That lie right there, I pray that the origin of it and the source of it, that that child of God would know and that that mind would have the mind of Christ. You are hidden with Christ in God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Again, come up for prayer. Linger if you'd like. I want there to be silence. No music playing in the background, please, so that you would be attentive to the voice of the Spirit and your Father today. If you need to go, Fellowship Hall, love to see you there as you interact.